Welcome to PS Pod, a podcast for CPT pharmacometrics and systems pharmacology. In this episode, Dennis Velasco speaks with Lutz Harnish from Pfizer. They will discuss the Drug Disease Model Resources Consortium. DD Moore, the Drug Disease Model Resources Consortium, what's it all about? The Drug Disease Model Resource Consortium was established in 2011 with the goal of improving the quality, efficiency, and cost-effectiveness of model-informed drug discovery and development. DDMOR is an IMI consortium, or Innovative Medicines Initiative Consortium, funded by the European taxpayer, 11 European pharma companies, and also through contributions from 16 European academic and SME partners. This seems like a big project. Who is involved in DDMOR? The ideas materialized about eight years ago, when a core group of pharma companies engaged with the multitude of academics to collaborate on modeling and simulation platforms, establishing the NLME Consortium, a precursor to DDMOR. We can probably say that beyond those early initiators, nearly all major pharma companies and universities dealing with modeling and simulation in Europe are on board. And we are in contact with a few who are considering joining activities during the final phase. Given the experience that the parties involved in this project bring to it, we feel that we have the best chance of success. The people designing and implementing this project are also users of it, so they all have a stake in the project succeeding. What was wrong with the existing paradigm? What problems did we need the DD More project to solve? As modelers, we strive to find the model that best describes the data we have and the one that is consistent with our knowledge. These models are used to inform and influence decision-making for patients to select treatment paradigms, doses, and the design of trials. The problem comes when we try to scale up this process for more disease areas or other drug development programs because of the time it takes to develop models and provide appropriate inferences for the decision to be made. DDMOR will help that process to scale up and provide the right information at the right time to inform decisions. Consumers of that information Decision-makers or the reviewers of modeling and simulation inferences need to have confidence that the results provided are reliable and verifiable and based on the best available information. The current fragmentation and poor interoperability of our key software tools makes this more difficult than it should be. Modelers ought to be scientists first, not code developers. Who do you see as the main consumer of the DDMOR products? The short answer is everyone and anyone who exercises or benefits from model-based approaches. A slightly longer answer is colleagues, modelers within industry or academia, regulators who assess or perform model-based analysis, practitioners and healthcare providers who use model-based approaches to treat patients with targeted specific therapies. In particular, the whole regulatory submission process when it comes to model-informed deliverables could be covered in principle from supplying the models, data, analysis results and inferences to the reviewing process itself in which regulators can scrutinize but also easily repeat or assess a modeling exercise. Also, during the negotiation process when scientific advice has been asked for, a DDMOR repository could hold the evidence in question or provide the backbone for analysis performed during the assessment. We are currently in discussion with some regulators and we'll see during the next year what path we can feasibly accommodate here. 
This sounds very nice in theory, but what difference will D.D. Moore make for modelers day to day? D.D. Moore helps to answer questions like, does a model already exist that solves this problem? Will the published model work? Can I get code for that model? What can I do with the model? The benefit of DDMore is that the repository and standards ensure that models you get from the repository will work in the software that you're most familiar with. When you consider model-informed drug development, two aspects play a key role. Communicating, storing and sharing of models and code, and somewhere a way to execute them, or perform a whole modeling exercise. To address these two goals, we have built a repository which holds the models to allow creation and sharing, languages to describe models and standards for storing modeling outputs in a consistent way, which allows the modeler to build a workflow across modeling tools without having to recode their model, write the model once, run it anywhere, and tying this together, a framework which provides an operating environment for all of the modeler's work. The development of language standards was a huge undertaking. We managed over time to convince partners that to achieve interoperability, it is essential to develop interchange standards to communicate between systems and model coding standards modelers can write their models in. Both of our standards, PharmaML and MDL, have now matured into a usable state that they can be shared among modelers. The ability to execute a model in a target tool the user is not familiar with but can learn about through the DDMO framework is a key outcome which has not been addressed in any other modeling and simulation application. Why design a whole new language to describe models? Will it really be better than existing languages? Why would modelers want to learn a new language? The MDL will allow the modeler to describe any model without the need to understand all the features or semantics of the target tool. One of the key inefficiencies in modeling is currently the need to understand the very specific features of a given piece of software not necessarily related to the problem at hand. Converting a non-man model to R, for example. As long as one works in one tool only, that's okay. But if you want to share your experience with others, be they collaborators who don't use your tool or reviewers external to pharmacometrics, regulators, or the statistics community, then it's essential to make the code generic and transparent, accounting for all underlying assumptions. That's what the MDL tries to achieve. In systems biology, modelers use and edit SBML directly through their own choice of tool. Why not apply the same approach here? The existing markup standards we explored, like SPML, weren't developed far enough to describe pharmacometric models, modeling activities, statistical properties, design features, or lack the scope to describe pharmacometric activities in the first place. That's why we ultimately decided to define our own standard, called PharmML, and build it upon existing ones, including MathML, UncertML, and of course, SPML. Most modelers will go about their daily work without needing to see that there is a layer of PharmaML in between them writing their code and the software being executed, just as we view web pages for their content without having to understand the underlying HTML. Some more adventurous colleagues may want to edit PharmaML directly if the features they want in their model are not completely implemented through MDL at this stage. Do users have to work within the DDMORE framework? Are the components of it any use outside of the system? The DDMORE framework helps users to code up their models in MDL and generate valid PharmaML, to execute modeling-related tasks, which involves translation from MDL via PharmaML to the target applications, executing those and exploring the modeling results. While the best and easiest way to get the most from DDMORE is through using our framework, 
there are many aspects of the DDMORPH framework and infrastructure that could be exploited without using the entire framework start to finish. The system has been designed to be flexible and modular, with an a la carte approach in mind. There is an R package for DDMORPH that will allow the user to submit jobs from within R and allow DDMORPH objects, models and outputs to be converted to inputs for other R packages such as Expose and Simulix. One reason for developing the PharmaML model for encoding and the standardized output object XML formats is that they could be adapted by other tools as input and output standards, facilitating interoperability in the future outside of the DDMORPH framework. How do potential users get and install the software? Do they need licenses for the software? What can they do with it right now? The DDMORE core tools are free and open source. Obviously, licenses for commercial software like non-MEM and Monolix are not included and will need to be acquired separately. The installer and source code for the DDMORE framework will be available via SourceForge. At present, the tools are configured for use with the Windows operating system, but the future plan is that the system would be cross-platform. We will provide sufficient documentation so that a novice modeler would have an easy start and an advanced modeler could become more efficient in collaborating quickly. We have provided a number of example models and workflows to illustrate the range of models that can be encoded and how to perform typical tasks for these models. New users can explore what the system can do using these examples as a starting point. Do you expect the repository will be filled with useful models being used in drug development? By the end of this year, we expect to have 50 to 100 models stored and created. Structurally, this will cover probably around 80% of the base models and methods used in R&D. Obviously though, when it comes to the characterization of individual compounds in development or clinical use, it will take some time before all of these can be included in the library. Who is supporting you in driving the content build for the library? We are in discussion with journals, and this podcast is probably a reflection of this, hoping to see an active engagement from publishers in order to encourage the upload of models into the library at the time a manuscript gets published. This will drive reproducibility in our area, which is sorely lacking at the moment. What is still to come during the last year of DD Moore? The products released later this year will be better versions. The repository, the languages, and the interability framework. We expect throughout the next year to consolidate the development to deliver a platform which captures all the aspects originally planned. During this final year, we need to have deep community engagement and, at the same time, continue to develop and roll out the intended functionality. Ultimately, the benefit of the framework can only be seen in its use by stakeholders, so the greatest challenge is convincing our colleagues to give it a chance. We are confident, though, that they will be on board once they see what it can do. The backbone of standards, the framework, and the repository have been designed. What's still to come is an extensive testing and communication phase between the inter and beta release in a few months' time and the final releases. Of course, the repository will be further populated and the metadata standards evolved, eventually turning the repository into a knowledge management library of reference models and modeling approaches for the wider modeling and simulation community. What happens when the project ends? Who maintains what has been developed? Who owns it? We are currently in the final stages of developing a sustainability strategy, which will likely involve a foundation entity to pick up on the public deliverables, supported by academic organizations to ensure further development of the language standards. What does the community need to do to engage with DDMORE? I guess success of DDMORE can be proclaimed when our products are used and benefits are generated through a wider implementation of model-based approaches across industry, 
academic and regulatory processes. To achieve this type of community immersion, we'd expect active uptake of the framework in a very collaborative fashion. TDMO is supporting and will continue to support training for our approach and tools. But in contrast to the usual developer-consumer relationship, an actively facilitated network will be needed to ensure all deliverables from this consortium will be utilized and continue to be developed in the future, much like the approach taken by the R Foundation. TDMO has already engaged with a wide part of the community, but a great deal more work is needed to convince all stakeholders in the realm of MNS. This is something we will continue to work on. What might the future look like if DDMOR is widely adopted? Two key aspects should become reality. Firstly, MID3 will be possible in more places because DDMOR streamlines the process of using models for design and decision making so that it can compete with the traditional paradigm of non-model informed decision making. This could make MID3 the business as usual approach. Secondly, Practically, modelers will spend more time on science and less time on finding and transcoding models. The repository will be the public accessible pre-competitive space for disease and drug models, which are much more easily used and shared with others and certainly reproducible by design. This is an ambitious project. Do you really think you can pull it off? Yes, we have gathered a formidable and highly motivated group, which includes some of the leading scientists, opinion leaders, and software developers in the global modeling and simulation community. And we have achieved considerable success in putting the pieces together. At this stage, we are confident that if we work hard enough to show the broader community what we have done and how it can benefit them, they will come on board. That was Lutz Harnish, and you can find his article at onlinelibrary.wiley.com. Thank you for listening. PS Pod is a co-production of the American Society for Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics and Wiley. It was recorded and hosted by Dennis Velasco and directed, edited, and coordinated by Joe Troiano. All opinions in this podcast are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect those of Wiley or the sponsors. 